Three, two, two one. Let's, let's go. go! I'm the host of the PBE podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, sitting down. Image 2023. You heard it right, folks. 2023. I don't know what happened to 2021 and 22. It's, it's just gone. Gone. It is gone. But here we are. The event. The the vibe of this event. Right. If we keep it in sound wave lingo. The vibe is high. The frequencies are good with these people around here. Like, there's so much technology. Yeah. And then these, these applied geosciences, right? And we're riding that razor's edge of this thing. And a quote from uh, the CEO of Vecta, he told me, you know, if you're not if you're not riding life on the edge, you're taking up too much space. You know. Yeah. I've been I've been told I take up too much space too many times, <laughs> but now this is great. And and coming away from COVID for the last two years, even yeah. last year, yeah, you know, the, the, there just hasn't been this kind of a turnout. So uh, I think it's good to see the energy coming back. Yeah, uh, the people coming back and uh, some of the old faces I haven't seen in gosh four years, five years now. Wow, seeing them Isn't again, that yeah, nice? it's great. Yeah. yeah. It is. Something about seeing old friends, you just can't help but smile, you know? That's and like it, we're getting the band back together, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're coming. We're, <laughs> we're back. I like that. We're back. Well, let's rock it back. Let's start, start with from the beginning. Where are you from? You know, I want to I want to hear the whole story. Holy cow. Um, it, it, it's a long story, and normally it's told when you have a beer in your hand right, or something. Right, right. Um, you know, my, my background has been um, mostly in operations. I've been fortunate to... Uh, be involved in starting up companies, taking them public, working in wow. public, and, and as well as large companies. Um, but uh, I guess uh, actually started one with, with, with Peter Duncan, and that was a company we took public back in the 90s. Really? Yeah, 3DX Technologies, where we were trying to combine various technologies. There, it was the emergence of 3D Seismic, but putting together wow. a whole story, and, and that creation of a complete understanding, a complete story is something that I have followed throughout my whole career. And um, most recently, I've been working closely with um, a group out of Korea and the South Korean government. And they asked me a couple years ago if um, I could help them bring some of their technology into the energy industry. And, uh -huh. and it's great. I mean, it, but it's small. It's like the size of New Jersey, and it's very mountainous. Uh, and they don't have really any indigenous hydrocarbons at all in the country. Whoa. Yeah. But what they have is some really highly educated people, uh, extremely great programmers, very hardworking, and they're great in technology. If mm -hmm. you've ever been to the Hyundai shipyards, it's the most amazing place you ever want to see just Largest robots and technology oh, just, just amazing huh. and and so they they, they they came to me and and i gave them some guidance on that and and this was several years ago they asked if 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 they could invest in some of the uh oil and gas things that we were doing mm -hmm. and we brought them into uh midland and this was the old midland before fracking and, and <laughs> it was, was real successful like? yeah. yeah yeah i mean I, if we only knew right <laughs> if we if we only knew i would own all of midland today but unfortunately <laughs> i do not um but anyway after that the, the the koreans came back to me and said hey doug can you help us run operations in Iraq for South Korea. Whoa. And um, so I was I was honored by the request and you know one day you're you're running operations for an offshore company you, you help start up 
and now the next day you wake up and you're living in Dubai on the Palm Jumeirah uh, and flying in and out of Baghdad. Uh, and that, that was really a, a great experience. Uh, I was the only sea level non-Korean that ever was existed in, in, uh, in Kogas. But um, ISIS came in and after uh, roadside bombs targeted me twice and then having to Whoa. fly Russian helicopters into the fields, uh, we ended up shutting all that down. And then I Whoa. moved over uh, to Albania uh, to try to clean up the corruption and the mafia influence in the oil fields in Albania. And, uh, How the heck are we, you called for that? Like, oh. I, I had a, I had a, a, a military man with me, sort of as protection and guidance. You know, checking the car engine every day so it wasn't <laughs> an explosive in it, uh, but also oh, wow. bringing the U.S. embassy because it's, it's nothing like walking into a meeting where you have just fired all the managers of oh, the oil gosh. fields and their cousins, aunts, uncles, oh, and all my that. Gosh. Um, with someone that says, hey, we own aircraft carriers and tanks and nuclear submarines and stuff. And, and so that really helped. Uh, and we did that for about three years. Came back to the States and the Koreans came back again and said, hey, we, we've got this technology. Uh, we're really working hard on the machine learning and the AI yeah. side of things. We're doing a lot of monitoring. But when I looked at what they were doing, they were monitoring um, manufacturing facilities around the world. Okay. You know, sneakers, TVs, and things like that. Yeah. But but what I saw was they're monitoring motors and compressors and generators and the same things we have in the oil fields. Ours are all dirty, rusty, and oily. Yeah. And theirs are in air conditioning buildings and nice yeah. and shiny. Yeah. But it's the same stuff. And and I said, you know, huh. if, if we can take bring this over here and, and, and all of their cloud expertise and IoT expertise and then kind of blend it with some of the other things that are needed for oil and gas, like the volumetric. So we had to bring in meters. So we did a collaboration with a group here in town called uh, Microwave Precision Instruments, who's a provider of chrome meters, the best in the world. And so they, they provide us that. We formed another collaboration with Kuva uh, Imaging for the methane cloud imaging. Oh, wow. And brought that in. And then we formed a relationship here with MicroSeismic because MicroSeismic, they're the, the world-leading subsurface continuous monitoring company, and we want to be the world's best surface monitoring company of continuous monitoring. And so now we're working together to solve the, you know, the um, uh, monitoring and verification and reporting requirements of the CCS industry with, with MicroSeismic. So ah. we, we, we took this, this idea and the technology from Korea, and now we're growing it up to uh, to do not just energy, but a lot of environmental monitoring as well. Yeah, wow, man, and you're doing it on the on uh, what you what, how you describe the Korean workforce and their technology and just the hard work, their dedication yeah. to Great what they're making. So you're using something that's reliable. You know, it's built well. Yep. You know, you're you have confidence in what you're bringing, yep. and that's the surface equipment. Yep. So your 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 equipment is picking up on gases like CO two and methane and yeah. So we have what's great about IoT technologies is extremely scalable. Yeah, I mean you got you got SCADA systems which have been around for fifty years, and they're fantastic. They're large facility control type of devices and technology. So if it's bad, you turn it off. If it's good, you leave it on. Type of stuff. What we do is we bring in a level of intelligence that's a little bit above that because we're using all the historical data that's ever been collected. 
And um, the sensors can be off the shelf, third party sensors. Wow. So like, like I talked about with the Kuva, their imaging I think is the best. So why do I go and try to recreate that when I can bring their Spot technology? It, the it just plugs in. Yeah. The, uh, some of the sensors and stuff is, are made from uh, our partners in Korea. Uh, but a lot of them are coming from Indonesia or, or Taiwan or, or in Korea. And, uh, and then we add those and customize it to the challenges that our clients are facing. Wow. Yeah. Man. Well, let's, uh, I got to say it again. We got to rock it back. Where are you Hell from? Man. Oh, man. I'm going way back. Uh, so I, I, was, uh, I grew up in um, the Amish country in Pennsylvania. No way, Lancaster? Yeah, yeah just at Berks County, which is the one county just north of it. Oh, so right. oh. there's a lot of uh, cornfields and apple oh, orchards. Oh, yeah. Um, covered bridges, uh, single room schoolhouses. It was, it was an innocence that um, it, it may still exist in some place, some rural places yeah. like that. But yeah, there were no keys on doors. When when you went on vacation, you told the neighbors, we're gone, there's eggs in the refrigerator, wow. some milk that still needs to be drunk, and <laughs> you know, go just go help it. You know, everything was delivered to your doorsteps. You had the milk come, the butter come, and then my dad in the back porch would have the beer come and the big <laughs> big tins of pretzels, right? And then the market guy would come by in his tractor with all the fresh produce on it, and you'd go out Man. and pick up the corn or whatever vegetables you want. So, wow. yeah, it, it, what a great way to grow up. Um, what a unique way. Yeah. What a yeah, unique way. It was neat. It, wow. It was, How many siblings? So, I've got, a, uh, I've got an older sister and a younger brother. Okay. Uh, they still both live back in Pennsylvania. My, wow. my sister lives in the house my grandmother built Come on. in 1962. And it's the house we went to every day after school because my mom worked a couple jobs and my dad was the town barber. Is and, that right? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it, How about <laughs> we maybe that? had 2,500 people in the town. You know, it was, it was small. Whoa. Yeah. Man, that's a cool perspective. But, what a but, but let me let me tell you how 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 much of a country bumpkin I was. <laughs> all right, so I, uh, you know, it comes times you you, you grow up, you, you go to college, and and uh, the weekend after I graduate from college, I sell my motorcycle and artwork because I, I did a lot of artwork at the time. We bought tickets because my friends, uh, aunt and uncle lived in Houston, and I and I've never been out of town. Whoa. And I said, well, let's go. And so we came down here, and uh, you know, uh, uh, as a geologist, and uh, started my career. But I got down here, and I never had Mexican food. Whoa! I never had fish, you know, seafood type food. And and so the first uh, this was uh, at Bechtel. I was an engineering geologist for Bechtel. Was my first job. And we won a big project in Louisiana, so we all went out to eat. Oh, and we man. went to a, a famous Mexican restaurant that was off of I-10 that, that's now closed down. And, and I looked at the menu, and I'm going, what the hell is this stuff? I had no idea. I, didn't, I couldn't, if you asked me how to pronounce enchilada, I would have gone, oh, I don't know. Oh, man. And, and so I said, can you order for me? And so the first thing they bring out is a guacamole salad. Nice. And I've never seen anything that color green except for things that you did not want to eat. <laughs> and I refused to eat it because I thought, you guys, with me. you guys have got to be pulling my leg. Yeah. I'm a young kid. Yeah. I'm just fresh out of the cornfields. 
And I said, no, I'm not going to eat nothing. You, my mom always said, if it's green, you don't eat it. That color green anyway. <laughs> so, but it was you know, just what a, a different story, world. Man. Different yeah. world. Now, you're coming out of undergraduate in geology. Yeah. Where'd you get your degree from? Uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. It's a small school outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, wow. It drives my wife crazy. She's an Aggie. And everywhere we go around the world, you run into somebody from IUP. And I keep trying to tell her. Really? It's the intellectual hub of the universe. But <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yeah, so I, I did that. Uh, then, then moved on to Pennzoil. Um, complete. Did, did my master's while I worked at Pennzoil. Master's then, out of U of H? Uh, U of H, yeah. Okay. And then um, went on and got my MBA in finance after Whoa. that. Yeah. Wow. Really cool. Really cool. You got a bachelor's in geology and a master's in geology? Uh, I did my master's down at uh, Clear Lake, U of H Clear Lake. Okay. In yeah. geology? Geology, yeah. Right on. And cool. Okay. after that. So your first job at a college was what again? Uh, it was um, as an uh, engineering geologist for Bechtel. Bechtel so engineers drilling oil and gas wells or no, consulting. No, this is this is all, man. Mostly construction type uh, oh. engineering. So when when um, they were looking at doing constructions of buildings, you'd go out and you would drill the, you know, various bores and stuff to determine right. what the stability of the sediments yeah. were, and and so it was it was more of that type of cool. Of thing. And then um, I was encouraged actually by my manager because I think he knew that. You know, the nuclear power stations and stuff were all kind of going away. The big projects were all going away. And he said, hey, I know these people down in Pennzoil. It's a good friend of mine, and, and they're looking for someone to come down and help them. And, uh, and so I, I, I walked down there, and they offered me the job during my interview. And, and that was the start of the oil business and wow. never looked back after that. Wow. Yeah. Son of a gun, man. They're really cool. So you get through... Working in oil and gas, learning more about the exploration side of things, the production yeah. side of things. Yeah. And you obviously have this natural affinity to, what, the physics and the monitoring of the physics? Like, this is a fluid flow line. There's gas flowing line. Those yeah. are tanks. There's yeah. generators running this. You just, it, uh, did you really pick up on that just yeah. naturally? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, um, it's like a giant puzzle, right? And... And you know, I'm, I'm not good at a lot of things, but the one thing I feel I'm okay at is I'm able to visualize a problem mm -hmm. and, and, and then break down that problem into the key components mm -hmm. and then prioritize what's the key components that you have to deal with and then you address them. And, and that's why I think it worked really good in, in, in Iraq. Um, it worked really good in Albania is, you know, if you, if you come in and you can get overwhelmed by all the challenges and and then you, you look around here, you got the carbon capture and you got deep water devices and, yeah. and all this. It, it's the challenges. And, and there's almost too many sometimes to comprehend, yeah. which is why you got to have good collaborations. But it's, it's sitting down and looking at those challenges and breaking them apart and saying, here's what we got to address first. And, and that's kind of what I do. That's what you specialized in. Uh, fixed problems. Yeah. Company after company, problems after problems. Yeah. Wow. How did it's, how did you get in touch with Microseismic? How did you find mm -hmm. about? How did how did everywhere everywhere become aware of Microseismic? Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I had a, a a long time relationship with Peter Duncan, who founded Microseismic. Yeah. He was my partner when we founded 3DX back in in the nineties. But That's um, right. you know, I so I. 
I went my way, Pete went his way, and um, I, you know, I, I watched him from the sidelines become a really successful businessman at Microseismic and, right. and, and always kept track of what they were doing. Uh, but you know, I was either running operations uh, internationally for Devon and then did the international work for uh, Korea and then from there did the international work for a partner there that said, before you leave Iraq, you come talk to me, and that was Transatlantic, and uh, they had me going directly to Albania. But when I came back and started working again really closely with the Koreans on the monitoring technology, mm -hmm. and, and I started saying, man, what a synergy we have here with what Peter's doing. Yeah. And so I reached out to Peter probably about, maybe it was two years ago now, and, and I said, look, I want to bring you up to date what we're doing. And so introduced them to the Koreans. The Koreans came over. They, they met with wow, Microseismic nice. as well. And um, we, we did see a really strong synergy. So that, at that time we said, let's go ahead and let's form a formal relationship uh, whereby you will become our experts for the continuous shallow monitoring, which we don't have. But it's, a, it's such an easy add-on to our clientele, you know? Because some of the, the clients need the same monitoring we're providing, but now if it can be an add-on to what Microsoft is already doing, mm -hmm. it makes a really kind of a good turnkey solution that isn't really offered anywhere else in mm -hmm. industry. What an opportunity, huh? Yeah. Interesting deal. So what was Peter like when you first met him? How'd you guys meet? <laughs> oh, man. Let's hear it. So, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm telling you, we need beers, I, I swear. Um, <laughs> So, Peter and I had a mutual friend, and I was a, a young up-and-coming geophysicist at this time, and, and really focused on the use of the emerging 3D seismic, right. and, and, and I guess became kind of good at it. Um, and I was recognized by Landmark Graphics, who was Landmark. Um, the original seismic workstation for 3D, by someone that was really good at using their, their work. And I think it's because you know, I was an artist growing up, and, and that became my palette that I could paint on. Whoa. And I could see things in the, the size of data. Really, yeah, it was just pattern recognition. And um, yeah. so uh, uh, Peter knew this guy, because this guy was a salesman at Landmark, and he had a, a dad that was an oil and gas guy and said, hey, can you help us? And so Peter came in to provide the seismic um, acquisition and processing knowledge, ah, and I came in and provided the seismic interpretation. So we got to be kind of a trio, a trio of, of friends. And then all of a sudden I get this call from Peter, he says, Doug, I want you to come work for me. <laughs> and, and I'm at Pennzoil running their uh, U.S. offshore, and I'm going, Peter, I got a good job, and yeah. I'm young, and I, I, you know, I need to, to get the experience and all that. And uh, so he'd go away, and then he'd come back, and he said, Doug, I need you to work on with me. And I said, why? And he said, he said I'm working with this group, and it's all retired ex, uh, Exxon research people, kind of the who-who of, of, of the exploration and production world at the wow. time. You know, John, uh, Joe Richardson, which was chief geophysicist of Exxon. Wow. Uh, John Sangri, which is the yeah, Exxon uh, uh, sequence stratigraphy expert. Wow. You know, the all elite. these people, the elite. Yeah. It was the A team, right? Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, you know, the glassy eyed. So anyway, I, I keep pushing him away. And then I get this one call 
and it's like in the middle of the night, and it goes, Doug, it's Pete. Uh, <laughs> listen, I just won this big project in Korea, uh. and the problem is, I made up all the names of the people that are going to work on it, you know, basically, you know, <laughs> not, maybe not exactly, but it's sort of that. And he's like, I need you for, I need you to come and, and, yeah. and do this. Yeah. And so I, I went to uh, the, the president of Pennzoil because we were right in the middle of the Texaco lawsuit at the time. Wow. And nothing was happening. And I was down in the research department and, and he said, Doug, man, this, I know these guys. These are the who's who. Yeah. You know, go work with them. And if it doesn't work, come back. You know, no problem, no harm, no foul. And um, anyway, so I went with Peter. We did this offshore project in Korea. It was a massive undertaking. Went over there, uh, proposed drilling wells. Then they wow. asked us to manage the drilling of wells. And we drilled really basically the only indigenous hydrocarbons in Korea to this offshore day. In that, Korea? In that basin, yeah. Block uh, 5-1. Or block six one, yeah. Gas play or an oil? Just ass. Gas. gas. None of it really economic. They they did develop one um, that was an offshoot of, of what we were doing, uh, but I don't think it ever was economic. But it gave the Koreans something to do, and, and that was maybe one of the reasons that the Koreans still had high regard for Peter and myself, and maybe really what started my relationship working with Korea. Is that right? You can blame that on Pete, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if he's, he's here somewhere, I'm sure. Wow. His ears are burning. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so how do you come up with EverAware? How okay. do you come up with this? So when we, when we formed the company between um, the, the partner in, in um, Korea is a, a company called Ulala Labs, and they're the specialists in data lake and IT and uh, uh, the, the big analytics and, and monitoring and myself, um, we started it as a uh, energy monitoring company. Uh, we called ourselves Show My Well, because mm. you can go out and pull up your phone and look and see every day what's happening. Wow, right? right on. But then I found as we were looking for financing and talking to other groups, particularly insurance companies, they said, well, you're an oil company. I said, no, no we're a technology company. Yeah. We, we don't touch the wells. Oh, no, you're an oil company. Uh, we either don't have any interest in you or we're not going to provide you any insurance because you got to have blowout prevention insurance. Oh, you got to have all this. And I'm going, you guys are crazy. And, and then you, know, you, you start looking around the market and you realize the importance of the environmental monitoring side of the business. And I said, we're going to have to, we're going to rebrand ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a good idea coming out, focusing purely on energy, um, but let's come out. And so I came up with the name Ever Aware, which is a lot more green, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a lot more passive. And um, ever since then, we, we've really taken off. We're doing a, a fair amount of, of the environmental work. We're focused real heavily on the methane problems right. of the world. And we're gonna be coming out with a really, um, really interesting and I think very unique platform, uh, hopefully by late September for uh, clients to use for monitoring all their methane needs and also for uh, the methane requirements for validating your project for um, uh, use in the um, offset carbon credit market. Whoa. So this, this, this equipment has to be pretty 
pretty proven stuff, right? Its ability to detect, like what kind of detection limits is is it uh, on this equipment? Oh, like, yeah. and, and what's great about it is, you know, the most of the meters and sensors are smaller, about the size of your phone, whoa. and you're talking about hundreds and a few thousand dollars of cost, not tens of thousands or hundreds whoa. of thousands yeah. for for doing, you know, some of this other work. So. Um, you know, it's 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 thousand parts per million type stuff, or uh, yeah. So we're, we we measure our real time is uh, we measure in one second intervals. You can actually go lower than that if necessary. But if you if you measure in real time, what's 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 fascinating is if you um, sample a bit of data anywhere in the United States, in West Texas, East Texas, mm -hmm. South Texas, and that piece of data from let's say it's a vibration sensor, it goes then to your edge computer and goes through your Wi-Fi and into your gateway and up to the cloud and from the cloud it goes back down to your cell phone or to your iPad and yeah. that whole process takes less than one second. So you're looking at data in the field and it is truly real time. Yeah. And what it means is that right now you have, have pumpers and field staff that every day their responsibility is to go, I'm going to go to that well, and I'm going to go to that well, and yeah. I'm going to go to that That's well. That's right. It's like the, what I refer to as the newspaper approach. When we were kids, you'd ride your bicycle, and it was the same house every day. And on Sundays, if you paid 15 cents more, you got a fat <laughs> newspaper, right? Well, it's the same process with pumpers. But now all pumpers have to do is open their phone, right. and they look and they can say, this well is performing perfectly within the normal range. Right. However, I'm getting alarms on this well because either the current's being drained too hard or the motor's vibrating crazy yeah. or there's other problems out there. And Amazing. that's where I'm going to go focus my time. Right. And what it does is it, it allows people and companies to reduce their operating costs. Big time. Big time. I mean, Just, big time. Yeah, and the risk of it all. You're going out, you're driving that lease exactly. road. Exactly. And you're yeah. going out there to check on something that never needed to be checked on? Yeah. Like, what kind of waste is that? And you've you've driven through Midland. Oh, there, yeah. And you know how those guys in the pickup <laughs> trucks drive. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and yeah, so that, there's a big risk reduction there as well. Such and, a That's the theme of the, this whole couple of days for me with MicroSeismic and their partnerships. And, obviously, this podcast, I'm, our... The idea of waste, you know, the Railroad Commission was created because they said, you know what, there's too much waste going on here, guys. We need to Crazy. regulate this. Crazy. And it's not just financial waste anymore. It's it's our time and our attention and our pumpers' time and attention. It's that waste is a problem. And yeah. and this is a, these are the technologies that you can quickly now and efficiently and cheaply apply to your your operations, save your pumper time. Right, he's happier that day. He's going, man, this was... And, and a lot of the pumpers are, are contracts, right? Yep. So it means he can get more clients. Right. Yeah. Full freaking circle right there. I'm going to tell every pumper I know. <laughs> you guys got to just get automated. You got to get automated. You got to get fiber. You got to get these things. All, all these things. And, and, and you hit it right. Become more efficient. Do things more cost effectively. Yep. Do things more safely and you're arriving at the decision-making process much quicker than you have previously. Wow. It's a win-win. It's not... Ever aware. Yeah, there you go. And you're just mastering that. You're just going in all in on this surface monitoring. You're finding micro-seismic companies. You're finding other companies, I'm sure. 
you're aware of all these technologies. Yeah. Man, that's fascinating. Do you, do you do a lot of publications? Do you do a lot of public speaking? Do you, like, how, how does someone follow the story? Yeah, yeah I, I, I do a fair amount of speaking. Um, I'm an editor for World Oil Magazine. So, oh, cool. Uh, we just, in fact, in August, uh, uh, Peter and I put a, a, uh, a publication out on the use of this for carbon capture and, oh, and how cool. it's creating a turnkey solution for operators. Um, but yeah, so that, that we're, you know, we started the company right towards the end of COVID, which was maybe not the best time, but yeah. that's, that's when it all came together. Yeah. And so really, the last year we spent a lot of our effort focused on what I call proof of concept projects for companies. You know, to, to better educate them on what we're doing, and and we'll be doing a lot more of of this type of the the marketing efforts Great. Uh, this year than than we have in the past. Great, yeah, right on. Now, so to end the show, I've I've learned a lot, and I appreciate your time. Uh, you honored to share this time with you, and learn from you, and and you know, I imagine everyone here at this event, people that listen to this show, you know, we're excited to go. 40, 50 years into this career and do things like you, you know, yeah. like I, I, maybe I don't want to go international, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe I have the opportunity and you have all this synergy and it just works out and all of a sudden you do go international and you're chasing down these these solutions to yeah. these real problems, right? Yeah. And, and you're doing it, like your track record, your proven career, what kind of advice or what kind of, uh, what kind of thing, like what's important to, to the people that are hearing it and are doing it right now that you can, you can maybe help them out if you think back to your own career 20 years ago and things you were worried about or stressed about. Like, what, what kind of information can you share there? Oh, wow, that's, that's a great question. I, you know, one of the things is don't run away from a challenge. If the opportunity you're looking at, whether it's a new job, a new career, whatever, isn't a challenge to you, there's no chance for growth. Without <laughs> challenge, there is no growth. Whoa. So that, that's what I, I, I try to, I talk to my, my, my kids about that when, when they're saying, do I change a job? Yeah. yeah. If you change a job and you're comfortable, that's a bad choice. Wow. Right? Wow. You change a job that's going to challenge you, that's going to make you better. And, mm. and so I, I, I guess I would say, don't run away from a challenge. Figure it out and make it work and you are going to learn along the way yeah. and you're going to prove yourself and people around you are going to go that guy's valuable yeah because he fixes things <laughs> yeah he figures it out yeah and so man don't take that. the easy path don't take the easy path man yeah wow love that resonating very well i'm gonna we'll, we'll do this encouraging quotes i yeah. want to read some oh man please. and get, get your feedback on something here Let's you got it Stand tell me when to by. stop oh yeah that was it Oh, man, this is great. Okay. Leaders inspire and teach their people to focus on solutions, not complaints. Were we just talking about is that, this? Isn't that it? That's, that's it. That's what, what it's all about. You've lived it. You've, you've, you've you lived can, it. You know it's true. You know that's a truth. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's like uh, when in Iraq, and I, just real quickly. Yeah, no, so please. So in Iraq, um, I was always like, okay, we're going to the field. And, and they're like, you know, but you're a blue eye, right? That's what the Iraqis call it. A blue and, eye. And, and, and an American, which yeah. in certain parts of the country is not 
you know, a trait that you, sh you really want to go in public and, and, yeah. and carry. Um, but I'd, I'd tell them, if I'm not willing to get in that vehicle with all the armor protections and the M16 or, or the, the big machine guns in front or behind me. 50 cows. Or, or if I'm not going to get on that helicopter, which has got the gunman sitting right next to you, which is really cool when you're flying over the desert, they let you shoot it sometimes. <laughs> uh, but, but in the middle of this Russian-built shaky helicopter is the fuel tank. And you have to look over the fuel tank to see the people on the other side that are sitting on these little uh, aluminum railings. But if I didn't do that, how could I ever ask someone mm -hmm. to do it? Mm -hmm. You know, the Koreans would have done it they, if I would have said, because they're, they're that type it. of people. Okay, yeah. we're going. But in the back of their minds, I know they'd be going, why, why the hell is at? he not going? Yeah. So yeah. you've got to take the leadership. You've got to show the path. And you can't be scared. Sheesh. Woo! That's good stuff. Okay. Leadership is not just about what you do, but what you can inspire, encourage, and empower others to do. So that's it. You're what a, like... What a great summary to our talk. Right on. Right on. Doug, thank Man, you so much for your time. It was great. Yeah. Really enjoyed, enjoyed the heck it. out of this. Yes, sir. We'll see you around. We'll do it another one uh, one of these days. Anytime. All Anytime. Right. Thank you. Good. Thank you.